This week on Trek, Mary Kill. Traveler, Bubble, Vortex. Next. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation. A helpless Dr. Crusher watches all her friends and family vanish. They're all gone? An unexplained force leads to an invisible massacre. There are now over 900 missing. Confusion turns to desperation. I need you to tell me if I've gone completely mad. Is it a deadly mind game or a real-life nightmare on Star Trek The Next Generation? Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek, Mary, kill, a Star Trek podcast where we talk about Star Trek. <laughs> this week, I had it's, one this, a Star, this it's a Star Trek podcast where we talk about uh, horticulture. This week, though, we're talking about <laughs> an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation from season four, episode five, "Remember Me," which first aired in syndication in, on October twenty second, nineteen ninety. Written by Lee Sheldon, directed by Cliff Bull. I'll do a quick synopsis here. After a stopover at Starbase 133, crew members start disappearing and only Dr. Crusher seems to be noticing. At first, it's just one by one. People start going away and then by the hundreds until it's just Dr. Crusher and Captain Picard left. But from Captain Picard's perspective, the two of them have been the only crew the USS Enterprise has ever needed. Is something amiss or is Dr. Crusher losing her mind? No, no, something's amiss. And uh, Wesley Crusher's warp bubble experiment seems to be the cause. Something weird happened with it, pulling Dr. Crusher out of normal reality and into one of her mind's creation. In order to rescue Dr. Crusher from this bubble reality of her own making, Wesley must receive the aid of the mysterious Traveler, a character first introduced in season one of The Next Generation and whose alien abilities allow him to manipulate time and space with only the power of his mind. And he teaches Wesley this trick in order to bring Dr. Crusher, this one simple trick to bring Dr. Crusher back to our reality. Yeah, this one simple trick will save your mom. <laughs> We're covering this episode because Terry Metalis, the showrunner for Star Trek Picard season three, has said that Dr. Crusher, played by Gates McFadden, in case you didn't know, uh, figures prominently in the season arc to the point where she's even in the very first scene of the season. Uh, and in the trailer, spoiler alert, it's mentioned that Picard has received a distress call even from her, from Beverly Crusher. Um, and so she's a very important character in that story, but obviously also in the life of Jean-Luc Picard. They, I guess I would describe their romance as being a quasi-romance that was mm -hmm. sort of on again, off again. Anyway, it was it's uh that's the focus. That's why we're going to do some Crusher episodes. We've also done some Sherlock Holmes Moriarty episodes uh, and then some Data's Data and his brother Lore specific episodes. We're trying to prime everybody for mm -hmm. Star Trek season three. So there we go with that one. Uh, do you remember watching this episode? The, like, no, the I don't. Episode? I mean, I, see, I think I remember like the vortex part. That seems very familiar. But I don't remember specifically sitting down and watching this one. Yeah, the the vortex shots. So when she gets pulled in the into the bubble reality and people are disappearing, it's a really cool story. Like there's a a misdirection, right? Where we're led to believe something weird is going on on the Enterprise, but it's not really the Enterprise that we know. Doctor Crusher's the one in the predicament, and she doesn't realize it yet, and until. The, this like blue vortex tries to like sucker into it. And mm -hmm. and that it makes you think that, Oh, this is what's been taking all of our people. But that, yeah, it was used in promos, like those like montages of the next generation when they were promoting the show in general, it would always, cause it was, it was like a cool blue light and it caused some cool things we didn't usually see to happen. Uh, this was essentially a bottle episode. You know, they're, they're using all the standing sets, no, they're not building new sets. They're using basically our main cast, not really a many guest characters. We've got an oddly named old man, Dalen Quace. That yeah. is an all timer. And that, that he played doesn't by that like one like character actor who plays yes. old man, men and everything. The the uh, older version of Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yes. If there could be such a thing that, that yes. that's what it is. Yes, but he didn't look like a Dalen. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, no, so. he didn't look like a doctor either. No, he did not. 
So that was cool. The vortex. Yeah. Well, this is my personal connection to this episode. This was okay. So Star Trek, I was aware of in that. I remember being like a, like a two-year-old sitting on the couch and seeing Spock look into a sensor, the blue light hitting his face. That was kind of all I really knew about Star Trek. And then I got the chicken pox in uh, fourth grade. And my dad took care of me the whole week. uh, That was the year everyone in our class got it. Oh, wow. That was like nine years. That's nine years old. Um, Yeah. That seems about right. Are they getting it younger now? What are the Um, kids? I thought they always got it. I got it at age five and I was, and like the older you get it, the worse it is. Ah. So um, if you get it older, you usually have a tougher time. I had a really, really tough time. That was still to this day the most sick I've ever been. Like I remember it being ill. So, and, and you were younger than than me. You were five. Yeah, five. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's that's wild. Like on the like I'm like this close to being going to the emergency room. Yikes. Uh, sick. So yeah. Yikes. So I hope you, your experience was apparently was you remember watching tele like specific episodes of television though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this was kind of maybe when I was getting better, but I mean, I was I had bad bumps all the way there. They felt like nipples, like extra nipples on me. It was very bizarre. Oh, and then so I, itchy. I, I'm trying to remember because I was a sickly child and there were many, I had many bouts of being extremely ill and almost dying even. So sometimes the vomit stories merge together, but I definitely <laughs> remember chills and vomiting. Is that a chicken box thing? I can't remember. Um, you um, can vomit. I, you can have any, all types of symptoms from chicken pox because the sores can get infected and that can cause all kinds of stuff. So I think I remember that was my dad. Definitely. He like took time off work and he took care of me cause I was in a bad way. Um, and then he introduced me to this. I think he just thought I'd like it because it was interesting and you know, all the techno babble made the characters sound smart and all that stuff. <clears throat> this episode, remember me is the first episode that I saw and, uh, you know, my dad would be dead like 20 months later after this. So oh. it was like the last thing we bonded over because um, mm-hmm. I really did think it was neat, even this episode. So uh, it means a lot to <laughs> even me. this episode. <laughs> well, because it's such a simple, straightforward concept. It's not, you know, there's not like a it's not sexy. It's not, there's not like a, you know, a ship battle or anything like that. And Dr. Crusher is not I mean, she has a handful of episodes where she's essentially the lead. And. Mm-hmm. Like most of the characters, like most of the non Picard data wharf, maybe Troy characters, she's kind of ill defined. Like what defines her personality other than the charisma of the actor playing the character. Yeah. And, and so she has to carry it. What I really like about this episode as an adult, I, I'm going to wait for why it really hooked me as a kid. And obviously the sentimental value of like, Oh, this is like dad stuff. But you know, from now just watching it, now as an adult, like what really works about this episode is Gates McFadden is a main character, main cast member, but she's also the audience's eyes in like she is us in this whole mm-hmm. episode because she's like, wait a minute, what's going on with Star Trek? Star Trek is broken right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And she's having all the reactions we would, but also they don't do, uh, you know, it, it, this is not a I don't think this is a badly written episode. They do. She is an active character in what's going on, trying to figure out what's going on. And they do a really nice job, I think, at least to me. And I'm ready to be jammed up and corrected here if you want. I, they don't make her into the hysterical woman. Yeah, I was actually going to point that out, that like it could very much well just have a woman descending into madness. And th- that's not what it is. It felt like they tried very hard to they, they made a conscious choice to avoid that. There's certainly a couple of moments where um, it looks like, you know, Riker could go one way or the other. Picard and Worf, you know, she kind of <laughs> leaves the room and they could have all looked at each other being like, what's like, losing it? <laughs> like, Hoo-hoo. Yeah. And on top of all that, I think it does a really good job of telling an emotional story in a way that it doesn't slow down the pace. I, uh, this <laughs> is all stuff I realize as an adult. Because the episode starts off with it's not an interesting teaser, but it's all set up, right? This her yeah. old friend, her old mentor beams aboard. His wife's just died, and she's like, "Oh, you must be feeling sad." And he's talking about how lonely he is, and how things are all different now that she's not there. And then Doctor Crusher causes her to think about her dead husband, and 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 all that. And then that sets off 
that's forms the emotional core of this episode. It's this is kind of Star Trek The Next Generation's Coco. <laughs> yeah. If you've seen the Pixar movie, right? Because once yeah. she's once everyone's gone and she's the only person left aboard the Enterprise, which is cool. Like I thought it was all really well done. The ship looked great. Her being alone, it felt really weird that it, as it kept getting emptier and emptier. Um, but then just the idea, like once everyone's gone, she has the line, I won't forget you. And she's thinking about everybody. Like she's kind yeah. of losing it as, as all of her friends, her family essentially start to disappear. And uh, I thought it worked really, it works a lot better now that I'm older, like even better now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. It was not something that was in the emotional range in my pre double digits era. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have one straight thought and I, just throwing this out here, but Gates McFadden in this episode, she's only like t- a year and a half older than I am now. And she has like a 19 year old son. Well, I mean, when you live in, <laughs> in a cashless society, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, you just have kids really early. That's right. Why not? But uh, I think they always like pl- made her play older than she was. I agree. Yes. Uh, I'm never, I've never been clear on, on Gates McFadden's actual age. Yeah. Like she and, looks ex- almost exactly the same now. Yes. And I think she's 67. Yeah. And, or no, and, I think she's older than that. I think uh, she was born in 1949. 73. See? So <laughs> she looks great. She looks fantastic. Yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah. Do you have any uh, specific feelings towards Dr. Crusher or just. I mean, I certainly like, like we had just recently watched the episode where of uh, The Next Generation where Dr. Pulaski has, for no good reason, um, replaced Dr. Crusher, and I don't like that. So, I mean, I much prefer her. Yeah, I think that's that's the number one for me as well, is like versus Dr. Pulaski. I, I think I always liked Dr. Crusher's bedside manner, mm-hmm. you know, and... and the Gates McFadden, it was a, it was a great portrayal when she was given stuff to do. I think I just liked her, uh, her way about her again, relying on the charisma of the actors to convey whatever's lacking in character. She had good chemistry with the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. Like they all really gelled together. She was a part of that. And so I feel like this is also one of the episodes that really works when she's the lead because it's, it's an emotional uh, episode, but a nice tech Star Trek science fiction mystery. So, yeah. All right. So some specific thoughts about this episode just before we get into the grades. The, this was originally a subplot for the episode Family, which was the second episode after the Best of Both Worlds Part 2. So coming back to start season four, basically the Enterprise is going to be, you know, getting being repaired. Picard was going to be down on Earth fighting with his brother. And then people on the on the Enterprise are going to start mysteriously disappearing for some reason. And they they just thought it was just too much for that episode. And that was a good decision. I think siphoning it off or making it its own thing really worked here. Mm-hmm. Gates McFadden did all of her own stunts during the Vortex sequences. Oh, geez. <laughs> She's like hanging on to a chair at one point like perpendicular to the floor. Right. And that's like, she's green screened into that, or that's a, it's a green screen shot, but she's still, yeah. Hanging parallel to the ground, like just in a straight line, but also she's getting yanked. I think she a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure how they're doing the yanking. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> place for an actor to get their, their, you know, a slip disc or something. So yeah, um, kudos there. She's like a, I think she is like a dancer though. Like in real life, she, in data, she's actually dancing. I think she does have a lot of dance training or, or, you know, she has, you know, she has some skills. So she was probably like, you know what? I want to do something more than just run a tricorder wand over someone. So (laughs) I'll do it. Let me Uh, do my own stunts. The actor who played the traveler, Eric Menyuk, he was a finalist for the role of data. And, ah, and this episode, I'm I'm declaring it, but it'll be fun when we go back through the episodes and run into it, you know, in season 15 of this show, <laughs> uh, where we run into the actual answer. But for now, I'm going to plant a flag and say this episode marks the. Hold on. Do you watch The Simpsons? I mean, not recently, but I have watched The Simpsons. Yes. So Homer's co-worker buddies, Lenny and Carl. 
uh, our characters. And there just comes a point in the long run of the Simpsons where Lenny and Carl become just hallowed characters to the point where, you know, something happens with Lenny and Marge has, she's like got a, a, a candle lit by his picture and she's knitting and she's like, not Lenny when she hears something bad could happen to him. So it's like the deification of Lenny. And this is the episode I think that marks the, the Lenification of chief O'Brien. Oh, <laughs> because okay. Jim O'Brien was like a character. He was a dude for sure. But this is the episode that, to me, firmly jumps him into like, we all like Chief O'Brien. They acknowledge he is part of the crew. Like, and uh, I posted this on Twitter, <laughs> but I just, I was caught off guard by Crusher when she's trying to convince Picard that it's impossible that they're the only two people to be left on the Enterprise, that that's the way it's always been. And she's like describing the main cast she's like Riker and she goes into some details and Troy. And then she just lists off the rest of them. She goes, O'Brien, Jordy, Worf. I'm like, wait, <laughs> O'Brien over Jordy and Worf. <laughs> yeah. Even her own son. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make the list. Uh, no, he, he makes the list at the end. Finally, when she like, she like slaps Leslie, his my possibly your son. Yes, that's right. I feel like at this point he has way too much hair to conceive. Yeah, to put yeah, that's true. Picard's, uh, son. Uh, so I that was something that stood out to me. Uh, I don't think Lower Decks picked up from this episode, but it's just funny. In Lower Decks, Chief O'Brien has, he, if he's not the patron saint of transporter chiefs, he he has a statue. I can't remember the Does exact. Book. I just know he has a statue. So it's just like everyone. Is it, likes is it in transporter room three? As we later <laughs> learn, is well, that his was favorite <laughs> transporter room. If one, if one had to choose. That's right. When the Enterprise D crash landed in Star Trek Generations, and the Enterprise saucer section became a museum, they took out transporter room three, and <laughs> that got its own exhibition. <laughs> Uh, so those are the the main specific things I want. Is there anything else you want to point out? Um, this doesn't fit anywhere, but can we talk about how big the star base is? It's like the size of the Death Star. Yeah. So space dock is in here, and I'm I'm going to mention it some more later. But yes, yeah, space dock from Star Trek Three, and all the original series nerds have thrown the exact flag you have, where they're <laughs> like, "Hold on a minute." The Enterprise D is like f- three times larger than the original enterprise like the enterprise mm-hmm. is supposed to be massive it's supposed to dwarf captain kirk's enterprise and so yeah. in the space dock shot because all the re- all the visual effect is it's a reuse of the space dock from star trek 3 they just put the new enterprise in there instead of the old enterprise but the doors then are the, are the size, size. <laughs> yes. uh, for the original enterprise which <laughs> And then the Enterprise D barely fits in those doors, which means that Space Dock is now two and a half to three times larger. So to your point, yes, it's now massive. It just seems very, very big. And like, I think we I mean, Star Wars is a completely different thing, but like it's been talked about what a massive feat it would have been to build the Death Star. And now you have just like a... a space station that's just as big and it doesn't get like much of a mention it's just like oh yeah of course that's the space dock (laughs) of course it's enormous (laughs) why wouldn't it be that's it costs you know more money than is available in the universe but yeah yes i mean i kind of like the 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 better idea kind of in star trek beyond where they're like oh no we just built a planet that's the base (laughs) And I kind of just like that idea better. I'm like, yes, because if you're going to make something ridiculous like that, might as well just be like a planet. Like for Um, people to live on. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. That's see, this is why we are Star Trek nerds. We're like, wait, what the hell happened to Space Dog? (laughs) Oh gosh, is it the Mandalorian where um, one of the characters is like, you know, there's a lot of good people on that Death Star that got killed. I did not remember that. It's the guy. Oh, I can't remember his name who plays. um, Oh, gosh. He was on Breaking Bad. He was the. um, Okay. Bill Burr. Bill Burr, the comedian guy. No, no. You know, you know, the the emperor had some good ideas. Yeah. There's a lot of good bootlickers that got killed on that star on that uh, Death Star. 
Okay. When we were committing genocide. That's right. It wasn't nice for you guys to blow it up. All right, let's do the grades. How about this for Star Trek The Next Generation's Remember Me? Okay. And we'll start with great scenes. Oh, it's Giancarlo Esposito. That's the name of him. Sorry. (laughs) He plays Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian, and that is who says there are a lot of good people (laughs) who died on the Death Star. Okay. Anyway, enough about Star Wars. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. The grades. (laughs) Great scenes. Okay. Um, So I said that this is basically like Gaslight, but in space. It's not a particular scene, but it's... I mean, in order to actually gaslight people, you need to do it on purpose. And so nobody's like gaslighting her on purpose, but it does feel like that before you realize what's going on. It's everyone like, what are you talking about? I don't remember a guy showing up here. Like her friend goes missing and everyone's like, we don't have any record of him on board. And they're not calling her crazy. Like they're like, okay, we'll look into it. Yeah. But she's like, okay, this is nuts. And then when O'Brien's like, I don't remember seeing him. Then she's like, (laughs) he says, you came in, you looked around. I asked you if I could help you with anything. You said, thank you, and left. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, well, he needs a full mate, a full workup. <laughs> right, that was, then she starts gaslighting him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that is what I, what I picked up on was like, none of the scenes really hit. Um, it's the second half where it's like, these are discrete scenes that are like really good, but the vibe that it's like, like a weird, it's not. Creepy. Yeah. It's like, it is exactly it's that. eerie. It's yeah. eerie. It's yep. like, okay. At first you're like, oh, this isn't going to be a mystery, mm-hmm. but then other people start disappearing and nobody remembers who they are. And then you're like, uh, that's strange. Right. And then when she, when they're finally starting to believe her a little bit, then they, it's a nice twist where she says, okay, and we should have Worf, you know, go to yellow alert or do, do something. And then, and then Patrick Stewart, his gesture is like, hold on a second. Excuse me. Who are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) And it was, it's just great. It's like a, it deflates whatever, you know, rising momentum or gaining momentum you get. My next one doesn't come for quite a while, but um, after almost everyone has disappeared, except for Jean-Luc Picard they're on the bridge together and she's about to shoot her shot with her with him and then he disappears she's like oh um there's something I have a meaning to tell you and I may not have another chance and then like he just disappears brutal I know brutal (laughs) there are a couple of times where she's interacting with someone and then she like it's there's a I think one of them is like a camera cut and it's kind of not as surprising but mm-hmm. the Picard one is just brutal <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just because you can hear the computer recording his bio signs and in the background mm-hmm. and it just all stops um, yeah which is really nice that's good yeah I that's the scene where where she mentions O'Brien <laughs> before, <laughs> before her own son yes <laughs> um, yeah that's that's a good scene but to me there's only one great scene in this episode Okay. It's the one I still think about to this day. It is the scene for me that got me hooked into Star Trek. Crusher is alone on the Enterprise. She goes to the computer and she says, computer, we're going to apply. I want to read the whole scene, but I'm not going to. But she's basically (laughs) talking to the computer saying, I need to prove that I'm not crazy. And so she's going through the list of all these conditions. Have I always been the only member of the crew of the Starship Enterprise? And the computer says affirmative. And then she says, "Uh, what's the mission of the Enterprise? And it's like to explore the galaxy. And then she says, do I have the requisite skills to complete that mission? The computer says no. And then she says, then why am I the only one on board? (laughs) The computer just starts losing its mind. And then it says... that information is not available and and Mm -hmm. so to me it was just i'll just admit it my upbringing was a little unstable so -hmm. so when you're watching something where there's instability introduced into what's supposed to be sort of a static or safe situation you're just very unsettling in a way and so her trying to have like maintain a grip on her own sanity and and basically proving it to herself 
that she isn't losing her mind. I think for a kid who's trying to also cope in similar ways, there was like a weird mirroring or it was like an eye-opening thing. Also, how many scenes in television do you have characters outsmarting a computer that they're talking to? Yeah, not many. Very few. So so that that to me is is the great scene. It was like very Star Trek, but also emotional. And it was a really great moment for Dr. Crusher. All right, do you have another one? Well, I put I liked when she was almost getting pulled into the vortex. We already mentioned that. I did have when she's just now she's sitting in the captain's chair and she's figured out, okay, I gotta go find this traveler guy myself. Then she can't go anywhere because the Enterprise is suddenly surrounded by this thing. It leads to her asking, I like this part of the scene. She goes, Here's a question you shouldn't be able to answer. What is the nature of the universe? And the computer immediately responds, The universe is a spheroid region seven hundred and five meters in diameter, which yeah. is the same size as the thing surrounding her. So now like You've taken a weird situation and you've really, I think you've made it even stranger. Best Trek tropes. Um, So going back to the computer stuff. Yeah, I put that the computer like not like trying to outsmart the computer or asking the computer stuff that it doesn't really know the answer to. And I also got a little bit sassy with her when she asked it to do like a theoretical um, experiment and they were like well there's no practical application for this so I'm not going to do it and we <laughs> saw that in Star Trek Discovery too of like eh, no I don't we don't I don't need to do this because there's no good reason to do it I'm sure their Star Trek writers throughout history have been we must be judicious with our computer <laughs> conversations yeah. because the risk is we'll just do those scenes <laughs> yeah and it's very tempting this is kind of going back to what you said earlier about how um, or just off off air that there wasn't really too many tropes to latch on to because of the way the episode was. And to me, like as a nine-year-old watching it for the first time and now thinking about that memory, the whole episode is a Trek trope. <laughs> All the characters are exactly like they're the stereotypical version of each of them. There's a lot of talk about, you know, techno babble or like Star Trek technology If you've never seen Star Trek, you've got a trans, you know, you've got the transporter warp drive. They talk about the warp bubble. You know, we've got Chief (laughs) O'Brien, the transporter, right? Uh, We basically the whole main cast has a moment. We even get sort of a description of their relationships to at least Dr. Crusher. Um, You know, we get to see a lot of the ship, you know, the main parts that they, they use a lot. We get the traveler. We get the traveler referencing a previous adventure. You know what I mean? So it's not like this isn't just like coming out of totally nowhere. It it has some connection, some other adventure. And that's interesting. Um, It has a cool science fiction concept. Like you said, space dock. That's another Trek trope. You know what I mean? Having that conversation with a computer, like you just mentioned, you know, but then also like nerd shit, all the details. We know how many people are aboard the enterprise, you know, Mm -hmm. what the normal crew complement is supposed to be, what, what the empty space could even be used for when, when it's not a full crew complement. So just stuff like that. It was just like a crash course in understanding Star Trek, the next generation for me, just for me, it was a, great introduction to the series so i stuffed everything into this category (laughs) literally every part of it worst trek tropes um i did put some of the techno babble though um like the concept of the warp bubble that just goes around something the size of the enterprise it's not that bad but like like wesley doing his little experiments i Um, think that's that's maybe the good hook there is that I mean, he, I think he's a full ensign by that point. So it's not like completely out of left field that he's able to do this, but it's still boy genius doing yeah. experiments on the flagship of the Federation. And like Jordy has had it. Yes. That's how he's they, like, yeah. Okay. He's like, I want my engines back now, little boy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also put um, Captain Picard asking Worf to do a full diagnostic even though Worf was like, well, you know, I've been monitoring everything and everything seems fine. And he's like, we'll do it anyway. I'm like, poor Worf. Yeah. Also, Worf searched the ship. He and the security team did a good job. They searched that whole ship pretty fast. Yeah. Or they were like, she's crazy. This guy was never on board, but, you know, make it yes. look good. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really have a strong trope that jumped out at me. So, but I liked what you said. So, Although not a trope, something of interest. 
at one point Riker says, I'm going to check the, tr the replicator data and see if anyone else has been eating anything. And I'm like, wow, you can check that. That's like very invasive. Like knowing what you, what everyone's eating and drinking. Yeah. I mean, it is a computer menu, right? So it would know every keystroke or command that gets put into it. Some friends asked me to um, take a screenshot of my latest Postmates deliveries. And that was kind of embarrassing. Why? Was that was that what the group was chat like, was all about? Shame, yeah, it was just like, it was like some friends who asked me, like, I can't believe you spend that much. Like, you're, you can't just like go out and get food or something. I'm like, I don't know. I got a baby at home. What do you want me to do? I mean, I didn't need to get a bottle of wine and a bunch of gummy bears from, <laughs> from a convenience store delivered, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was like stuff like that. I'm like, oh, oh I spent $50 on two salads and a cookie Oof. <laughs> it adds up quickly yep it does Ugh. i would say rikers i did so i don't know that that's the best idea but i know they need they felt they needed to give riker something to do yeah so so it just didn't seem like he was discounting what crusher was saying mm -hmm. which is how it was kind of being played by him by jonathan frakes a little bit was he was the most skeptical but yeah i know riker doesn't want us seeing his postmates no, no, no. If you, if you follow the Riker Googling account <laughs> on oh, Twitter, you know. <laughs> um, most of it's time quality. I put the, the decor in Dalen Quace's stateroom, the whole thing, the upholstery, the fake flowers, basically just typical next generation furniture. But like, it's so, so late 80s, early 90s. And also, um, all the wall art is of like space scenes. Like, wouldn't you want something else? <laughs> you can yeah, just like look out space. the window yeah. and see the space stuff. Wouldn't you like a lovely landscape or a tasteful nude or something? I don't know. It seems ridiculous. <laughs> tasteful nude. <laughs> something. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The three-breasted lady of uh, Evangelion yeah. 3. Yes. <laughs> Just like different nudes from different species. That's right. From different planets. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's uh, really, really off-putting. <laughs> the furry nudes. You remember in the uh, the Shining Scatman Crothers apartment or his bedroom? I have He's not got... seen the Shining actually. I'm sorry. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, <laughs> I'll I'll leave that for you to discover for yourself. Okay. Then never mind. There's some tasteful okay. news. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's great because I'm gonna piggyback off of that. I think the guest star who played Doctor Dalen Quaze is a most of its time quality. Mm. The actor's name is Bill Irwin. And he basically played, like we said, the old guy with the big, thick mustache and everything he did. He's in planes, trains, and automobiles in the 80s, I think. I think he's in um, TV. Home um, Alone. Home Alone, yeah. So he's just like the old guy that popped up when we were younger. Yeah, a character actor, yeah. <laughs> character actor. And, it, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's one scene. Yeah, he's never, he's like, he's never seen again. Yeah. They were like, we got him for half a day. All right. The line must be drawn here. <laughs> Great lines. Okay. Time to cook, Kristen. I know you want yes. to do this one. Okay. Okay. So um, when she's mentioning Worf and everyone's looking at her like she's crazy because they don't remember him. She's like, you know, the big guy who never smiles, the Klingon. <laughs> it was great. It was perfect delivery. I'm not even doing it justice. It was a perfect pause when she runs through the list of, of his other qualities. Of like his traits. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, huh? <laughs> the Klingon. And they're just like, mm, oh, yeah, she's lost it. We've never had a Klingon on board. Insane. <laughs> Klingons in, Star in Starfleet? I don't think so. I already said the, what is the nature of the universe and the computer answering uh, that I thought that was a great line as well as a great part of the scene. Yeah. So the traveler says, as long as she thinks she's alive, she is alive. And the Riker says, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> because yeah that's a little you know thinky little a little she a, too cerebral yeah so to me that's that's kind of like in the realm of when you're asking you don't know he's a serial killer or cannibal but like when you're mm -hmm. asking hannibal lecter for advice <laughs> and he gives you some like convoluted thing that's a non-answer that's mm -hmm. not 
questionable. It's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, in that moment, Riker though, was all of us for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? And he, why is he so weird? Um, yeah, that's all I have. Do you have any more? No, but overall I found this to be a, a pretty solidly written episode, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think it, the performance elevates it. I, I never really felt like there was a spot that was bad or soft, especially the second yeah. half. Once we get the twist that, you know, something's not happening to the enterprise crew. Something has already happened to Dr. Crusher. I thought that was a nice. And for those who, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but she's basically created her own reality. Yeah. Um, And that's what she's in. And her reality is that people are disappearing because she was worried about, she was thinking about the loss of her husband and her friend losing his wife. Yeah. Being alone. But I felt like most of the dialogue was very much the audience thinking like, I can't be crazy. What's going on here? Right. But then she does have the epiphany. And and I think it ties it together pretty well. It's it, it's not like super poignant, but it, it it gets in the range of it. I feel like once we once she realizes what's actually happened to her, I thought that was pretty neat. All right, the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you. I, I want to hear if you have a different answer than me. I said I put Gates McFadden because it's really hard to act by yourself. Yes, and like it's believable and it's not hammy it's difficult to just be talking to the computer and by computer it's probably just somebody off screen feeding her lines and that's really difficult oh, probably the least charismatic act yeah so it, it's yeah. like just someone going the universe is i mean it's probably not that bad compared to the computer but you know it's it's not easy to do right it's not a scene partner it's just no it is not off camera feeding you the lines yep this episode is why I have a soft spot for Dr. Crusher, but you know, also just it, as my introduction to Star Trek, it's not a captain. You know what I mean? Like I thought that was, yeah. it was well done. You know, everyone is, they get so close to being ridiculous. All the main cast gets very close to, to basically being like, she's being hysterical or like they're, bo- they're they've been body snatched. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're right on the edge of that. And she's right. She has to act like I'm losing it, but she doesn't go over the top. It never goes over. So it was, and it's everything you said. And then she's got to carry the whole back half of the episode. I, and it was, yeah. It, it and I think it's interesting that in her reality, like that she created, she's built up enough trust with these people that they don't immediately dismiss what she's saying. Like they do believe her. Yeah. For the most part, until she go starts mentioning people they've never heard of. Yeah, I mean, and even she, then, like they still believe part of her, but they're just like, "Ooh, something's up with her." I think when she left for season two, the in-universe explanation was that she became the head of Starfleet Medical. So mm-hmm. you know, the head of Starfleet Medical, Cassandra. It's not that crazy, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I like that too. The, again, someone who had never watched the show before, you're coming into a situation where you can see that trust between the actual the actual actors their relationships off camera but also that they're playing it right there in the scenes and it's written in a way that supports that i did want to highlight will wheaton because i don't think i'll ever do this again yeah probably not <laughs> but i think he played the good son side of wesley crusher mm-hmm. with a plum i don't think a lot of people would sit there and say that will wheaton's performance um, and the run of the show was one of, you know, one of the highlights or one of the things people tuned in for. And I wouldn't say that he got a lot to do that was emotional for whatever reason, but I believed his concern. He snaps his mom. Right. And she's like kind of bothering him. He's like, mom, I'll figure it out or I'll stop doing it. It was a degree of believability. And, uh, and I thought it was just a nice performance to see. And then I need to add the side note hilarious when she returns through the vortex and Wesley collapses and they literally step around him (laughs) to catch her to go get her it's a it's it's great I love it (laughs) I also want to mention about Dr. Crusher the character like she is a working mom but it does like that does not define her as a character like you could have easily just had her be, be fussing over her son the whole time and she doesn't yeah like yeah. she's her own character and has her own life and own storyline separate and apart from the fact that she's a mom and her kid is on board, even though he like at, by now he's like, what, like 19 or something. Right. I don't want to teenager. I at least. I don't have any information on this. I'm just going to react to having watched the show for 
as many times as many years and as many times as I did, it did seem like they we all agreed, the writers and the audience, that she was most interesting when she wasn't being a mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's the case for like almost every character, unfortunately. Yeah. And and I, for whatever reason, right? It's it has it could be any you know. It's just like the characters get like strong enough. She's a senior officer. It's like it's you have to have those scenes sometimes. But if we have the choice between having her on the mission or dealing with Wesley's issues, we're gonna put her on the mission. Yeah, you know, and that, I think that was smart. That that worked out well. So because you can either be like the mom on Star Trek. Exactly. And or, uh, like, uh, yeah, especially totally like right. back then, like having a mom character, like, you know, them as this is the mom from Family Ties or whatever. Like, yeah. there's nothing, nothing else about the character you really know. Oh, you totally nailed it. Then then I think that was intentional because I think even in the first season, they're they're together, right? Yeah. It's not our whole world. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think they did the same in like Deep Space Nine with Jake. Um, right, exactly. With Cisco, like, yeah. yeah, he has a dad and he like has to parent but and then that's a younger kid but it's not like i'm the dad that's boring no it's smart call okay the shatner okay i'm very sorry but i put the traveler um (laughs) i it was just a weird stuff for me like his whole look it was just a going for it i guess i don't know it was it was off for me so i didn't really have one because i didn't he didn't register as going for it for me, but let's talk about the traveler a little bit. Well, like he made some choices. It almost seems like he's doing a version of the data he auditioned with. Yeah. And And it's like, when you said, when you told me that, I'm like, Oh, okay. Now things make a little bit more sense. Like, Oh, in case this guy gets a pilot on another show or a movie deal, you know, I can always sub in. (laughs) It was, it's a weird character too. And it's, you could you couldn't do the storyline now because you would just get all the QAnon people fired up. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, this older man can travel through space and time and has decided that the young whiz kid on the Enterprise is a special boy that he wants to take on adventures. <laughs> what? Yeah, the, I could I could tell that you needed me and so I showed up out of nowhere. Like that yes, I know we've seen this character before, but that is like very like weird. A little, a little too God in the machine for me, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Although I, the fact that she's also looking for him, I think that kind of dims it a little bit. Yeah, but it makes it's, sense. It's, a, but... it's set up because Kaczynski's equations, the traveler was Kaczynski's assistant in that episode of the, of the next generation, which is actually not a bad episode of season one. So it was his name always the traveler, like. He was this guy's assistant. Like, anybody, he, how did he introduce him? This is my assistant, the Traveler. I don't remember what his name was when he was the assistant. It might have been, just been, this is my assistant. And then <laughs> once they start doing the the modifications to the warp drive, then he starts travelering out. And then he's kind of forced the reveal that I've been, I've held, held this power in all along or something. But I see the same special power I have. I see it in you, Wesley. That's kind of how I remember season the season one episode, uh, but the episode is okay. That in terms of like it, compared to a encounter at Farpoint, where no one has gone before, is a much better episode. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to say that that actually the whole resolution of the episode or the concept behind it is kind of one of the last nakedly imaginative ideas that they have going forward. What do I mean by that? The rest of the way, like as Star Trek Next Generation went on and as the Berman era shows kind of went on, sort of the the 60s, 70s kind of amazing stories or just like fantasy imagination kind of goes out the window. So they're not intertwined mm-hmm. and you get a lot more like actual science influencing these theoretical ideas. So it's like, oh, here's what I'm saying. There's like a degree of whimsy that goes out the window. And this is one of those last stops on the way to that happening. Uh, it's it's a weird concept, right? She's been sucked into this warp bubble, which because of her mind, it creates a different reality for her. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a she goes into she creates her own wonderland, essentially. And like going forward, it would be like she's in a parallel dimension. It would be something very literal. It wouldn't necessarily be something quite as imaginative or or metaphysical as that. 
What part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? Well, probably something about the warp bubble. <laughs> yes. uh, me thinks. And that the traveler is still around and he'll just show up like <laughs> like, like you. Good witch of the north. <laughs> good witch. Whenever uh, he is needed. If you want the traveler to appear, <laughs> keep it tight. <laughs> well, I yes, I agree. It's the warp bubble stuff. I don't think it's something as pedantic as don't run experiments with the warp drive if you're outside of a lab situation. I kind of think that is in the spirit of Starfleet. You know, you're you're doing mm-hmm. science and engineering crap in the field. But I do think they're they're teaching what happened with the warp bubble and all the data they gathered, you know, before, during, and after the experiment, yeah. and like a theoretical warp propulsion class or something. So it'd be interesting if it just drove someone crazy and they were like, "I'm going to use this to create worlds within worlds," <laughs> and just went yeah. off and did that. How would the predecessor captain or show resolve this conflict? I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, Brian, would you like to go ahead though? So this is a teeny tiny version of this story that exists in the Tholian web where it's Kirk who gets pulled into the interface um, and then Spock and McCoy are trying to figure out how to get him out or they have to leave this, the area because the Tholians are advancing on them. So that's kind of vaguely what's there, but that's kind of all I really had for this. When we say conflict, like what do we mean? Like if one of the characters from the previous show got stuck in the work, bubble and had a, and created their own reality what would that look like um oh, i like that yeah, like if it was mccoy yeah yeah like if it was mccoy like what would that reality be and like how soon would he figure it out because she does have to figure it out i think spock would have figured it out almost immediately like not immediately but he would have figured it out pretty quickly also that would have been a, that's an interesting idea because what would spock's reality have been then he would have known it was uh, he was <laughs> his the reality that he would have created he probably would have figured it out it was something was off pretty quickly i think yeah but that would be everyone would just be acting so logical and great and then he'd be like (laughs) wait a minute i think what what really works about this episode to me like as an interesting idea which i drama doesn't tend to go in this direction like it's not a wish fulfillment right She's not mm-hmm. being pulled into something she wishes was happening. There's, it's just that that little melancholy, that little sadness. Yeah, that little that, thought that she was uh-huh. thinking when the experiment went awry, and it and it really blossoms into this really, really kind of horrifying thing if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, I I think that'd be fun. I think it would be better if it was Spock stuck in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So then that that leads us into uh, Trek, Mary or Kill. I'm going to ask you, Kristen. Oh. Um, you know, what? I think I'll give it a Trek. You don't have to do that for my sake, but thank I'm you. I'm not doing it for your sake. <laughs> I've been not shy at all about killing these episodes when I don't like them. So I would never say if there if you could only watch 20 episodes of the next generation, make this yeah. one of them. But I, I think uh, it holds up pretty well, and um, and it was enjoyable enough, especially the second half once you realize the twist. But maybe that makes it even better on sort of like a rewatch because you, the first half isn't as like weird or you're, you're like what's going on here, and then once it really kicks in, it's kind of a, a lot of fun, and it's like what I said, if you've never, if you're not too familiar with the Next Generation, this is surprisingly a good episode to kind of get you dip you into the world and mm-hmm. to understand who everyone is and how they talk and, and what's sort of the, the science fiction world around them. And it's pretty neat. We get a kudograms. I didn't even mention that we get like the cool graphics of the enterprise and like the, you know, the computer telling you what the sensor readings are and all that stuff, just oh, like yeah. how they do in all the other episodes, but it's all like condensed into this one thing. Um, yeah, it's so a lot of like, oh, this is how the computer works and this is the controls on the bridge and that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing with me. Yes. Yeah. All right. So any other final random thoughts before we close out here? I'm trying to think of what Spock would think if like he was in that exact reality of people disappearing, though. He'd be like, yeah, something's up. So there was a cut and, scene. and like everyone. Yeah, it would just be weird, I think. Why didn't they 
go an extra step because it seems like her just going, what, 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 what in the world? <laughs> it was like they probably did that too many beats or that was the only really beat that she got. She didn't like try to prove the reality. And mm-hmm. I think they actually, I read that they cut a scene where she's basically asking one of her staff, like, well, what about your wife and your kid? And then all that really does is it exists as a line that she says, I think to Troy, she's like, babies I delivered last year don't exist anymore. You know, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, uh, and so I think that was enough. That's why they cut the other scene, but Spock would be doing a lot of that crap. Yeah. But <laughs> Can I also say Troy was absolutely useless on this episode? She was. She definitely was. An, an episode where, like, you'd think that, at least on the other side of the reality bubble, back on the real Enterprise, she'd probably have been like, something's off. Yeah, right. She would have picked up on her distress. Well, can I give you a word for her? Aloof. Yeah, just like. Yeah. Oh, Spock would have mind melded with somebody and he would have said, okay, this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> this is what this is what's going on here or it would be the reverse where he'd like mind meld someone to like figure out what they're actually like are they telling the truth or something that that might be what happens with spock yeah. as well uh, but it would be interesting if spock was alone on the bridge um trying to figure it all out and then he would have to have an emotion right he would yeah. either feel some sense of yearning or loss he would have some tinge of grief and and that would be an interesting dynamic for him to play and we'd have to see it so although i think he would have figured it out sooner and like gone to the (laughs) engineering and been like all right i'm gonna go towards the vortex now right i love that every time we think about the original series like oh well they got spock he'll figure it out (laughs) what's the point of having spock if he doesn't just figure it out like almost always he's like he's gotten to the conclusion before everyone else and was like well i don't know if we should just kill the guy spock i mean he's my best friend i can't recall original series as easily as next generation so i can't remember if there's ever if there ever was a moment where spock was knocked out and uh kirk and mccoy were like Ah, crap. <laughs> it should be <laughs> nice if Spock was conscious right now. Yeah, we're going to get out of this one on our own. Uh-oh. <laughs> the two of us are too bright. Right. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You know, if you're so inclined, give us five stars. There's Spotify. It helps boost our, our visibility, and that'd be great. We want people to listen. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, Trek Mary K pod and on our website, Trek Mary That has all of the links. Like when we have guests to their stuff and other things, we want you to link see on the links. And we also have all the standings. So if you want to keep track, well, how many episodes of next generation have you killed or do you want to marry? It's all, it's all there. Oh, and we're still, we have our star Trek Voyager caretaker pilot poll still open. So check that out and vote. That's it till next week. TMK out. Bye.